And we're back. We got to hear a couple of songs just now. We had Call of Cthulhu from Ride the Lightning, Death Clock with Thunder Horse, Lessons in Humility from Rorg, as well as Fade to Black in there. Now, uh, dudes, tell me about, like, what a day was like just recording Second Helping. Well... Um, our engineer, Eric, had done previous work for us. He did the eponymous EP. He also did the single uh, we released last summer. I remember he didn't have the best equipment when we recorded our eponymous album, although he would get a lot better equipment and rem- remind us that he'd be willing to re-record some stuff for free just to go back to his studio and record it. And so for the single we did, and needless to say, we were so impressed, we decided, you know what, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's go back to Eric for second helping. Yep, and uh, in addition, I thought that, um, you know, a, a day w- in recording was pretty, it, w- it would vary. I mean, we'd have days when we're just sitting there like, oh, super, we're either super frustrated with something or... You know, we nail it and we love it. You know, it sounds great. You know, it was, it was a, it was a tedious process. There were sometimes when we had to go back and fix things, but you know, we figured that's normal. And honestly, you know, going back and fixing things and doing all the revisions that we needed to do was just more than worth it. You know, we wanted to make sure that this, that when this EP comes out, we wanted to make sure that it was better than our previous efforts. Or greater than or equal to our previous efforts. And in a sense, it is. And in a sense, it is. At least we think so. <laughs> and we hope others do, too. Now, tell me about the recording cost involved in recording an album in Orange County. Well, this was substantially different from, say, um, the recording process for Rob's other band, Fenris Small. This guy is somebody we knew personally who is still in the beginner stages, although I think he's very advanced. But um, as long as you have the hookup, you'll find people who are willing to cut you a deal and give you a reduced price, but still give you top-notch quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in our area, we're like that. Um, we're in, uh, we recorded in Dutchess County, but Orange County seems to be where most of the recording studios are located. And um, the thing about Orange County is that a lot of their a lot of their prices are usually pretty steep, you know, but their quality is is also quite good, and it always varies. Like I've heard things from I've heard that some people loved what they got recorded from what they did. I heard some people couldn't stand it. I heard some people, you know, I've heard mixed reviews from just about every from every place in the area, you know. So I it's you know so at at for us, it kind of boiled down to the price and quality, but it seemed more like, you know, primarily for us, it was both, you know, it's just that we wanted to be able to record at an affordable price and also for, and also still maintain the good quality because I would hate to have to pay for something, you know, pay over the top for something and then the quality comes back and it's not good. Uh, bottom line, more professional someone is, more likely it is that they will charge you a rate based on time. And in that case, time is your worst enemy. So I would say do as we did and tab all your music out on Guitar Pro or some kind of tabature software and just take some time at home to learn it so that you'll be totally prepared and won't waste any time putting money for nothing into an engineer's pocket. I see. Now, um, what are some other ways that you can end up uh, blowing money in the studio? Uh, you could probably end up blowing money by uh, buying new equipment at the last second, or like the mistake that I made on the first EP was I went to I went to the local music store, and instead of just buying the instruments straight up, which I probably should have done, I, I don't know if I had the cash or not, but I, I can't remember. But I probably, chances are, I probably could have just bought it. <laughs> but what I did was I ended up renting it for like a day, 
and I still had to tr- like it was still forty dollars. I mean, it's forty dollars to rent for a month, but I only needed it for a day, so I ended up like blasting forty dollars on on that for like for no reason. It was just a, it, honestly, it was just a stupid move, and it was um it was a lesson that I learned. And honest and honestly, I think uh I think just in the future, you know, when it comes to things like that. You know, we were just, I was just getting really annoyed that my bass wasn't tooting right or something. So I was like, you know what, let's get another one. And I was like, I said, heck with it. Uh, we should, I should have probably just used my own and just dealt with it mm. and said, fine, just, just live with it. You should also know where you stand with your vocals. Some people have just a great endurance and can belt out extreme vocals for hours. I just can't do that. Like I said, the vocals for Unholy Mantra, and actually the vocals for Fast Food Run had to be recorded on a separate day because I remember when our engineer said, time to record vocals, I remember I wanted to do the catchier songs first, which meant war-torn limbs and lessons in humility. By the time we got to Unholy Mantra, I was just dead. Like, my voice just gave out, and... like. How many takes would you go through for each song doing vocal parts? Well, as long as it was within the same hour, few hours, it was no big deal. Like, I did multiple takes, mainly because I was forgetting lyrics. Mm. The thing is, what really helps you learn the lyrics or the riffs of a song is recording, at least in my experience. Like, you can have all the blueprints you want, but it's not until you actually record it that it gets imprinted onto your DNA. I see. Now, um, do you find that uh, the music, I mean, the instruments you like to perform with, um, you can use them to perform live with, or do you feel like you should use uh, different type of instruments for both uh, occasions? It depends, honestly. I mean... What we what um, it really depends on the songs usually because uh some of the so- some of the songs on the new EP and on the other one uh require seven string as part of the instrumentation uh others uh other songs like use use like six string guitar mm-hmm. or you know just regular just a regular standard guitar but what we use when we uh, to avoid having to change instruments constantly. What we have is we have a Behringer, uh, uh, the US 600 shifter, uh, ultra shifter pedal. And when we hit that, it, it detunes the guitar automatically for us. And there doesn't see, there don't seem to be that too many problems with latency. It comes off pretty great. I've even used it myself with my other band successfully. So I hardly have any, I've hardly had any problems with that. So it's honestly, it's, you gotta, you gotta do what you, Basically, you just got to kind of make do with what you got, and you know, I think it you know it works for us. So, as far as recording goes, Beastman has had a preference for my guitars actually. When it comes to um, when it comes to our more death metal or our sludgier tunes, he really likes using my um, Schecter seven string, my Damien Elite seven, and on. The solo for Fast Food Run, the ending solo, he preferred to use my Jackson Rhodes. Yeah, I, I just felt like the tone was a lot thrashier, and if I was, and the other thing is, the only other I guitar, guitar that I had to, to be able to play that solo with was my seven string, and pl- playing thrash metal on a seven string is kind of difficult and cumbersome, and you know, whilst you can, whilst you can do it. I just don't like to, <laughs> so I w- I preferred to have a regular six string guitar to play with, and his was his had pretty much the tone that I wanted and everything, so that's what I went with. Brilliant. Now, um, have you guys ever thought of uh, trying to uh, somewhat professionally record live shows? We haven't professionally recorded them, but we did. We have gotten a few, uh, like uh, some of. The, I feel like the quality that we've gotten off of, like the, I think that was your Canon PowerShot camera, Birdman. We, the quality we've gotten off that is actually pretty good. So, 
despite the fact that it wasn't professionally done, you know, it still comes off pretty great. Now, do you really, um, like, when you know something, like, when one of your friends is going to record something for you, uh, do you really think a, a lot ahead of time on what instruments you're going to perform with, or is it just like, you use whatever you're used to? Or is we, it sometimes, like, for like a special occasion, maybe? Whatever our set list calls for is what we use. Whatever songs we're playing, if we're playing... One night we're playing Fixation on the Outer Image, and you know that same night we're also playing Seraphim of Pestilence in Disgust. The the instruments we're bringing out will be us will probably be, honestly, I could play both songs on a seven string, so I might not have to bring out my six string for that. I could use the seven string with the Behringer, or I could just bring out the six string and then switch to the seven, which is a little more complicated. But you know, it's whatever. Whatever keeps the flow going easier is what we go with, and we've done we've done shows all sorts of ways. I once did a whole rehearsal on using one, using like just one guitar almost. So brilliant! Now, say a few words for War Torn Limbs, and I'm gonna fire that one up. War Torn Limbs. Ooh, yeah. This is the first lyric video we ever did. Don't That's watch kind of it. It's really disgusting. Oh yeah, actually, if you yeah, if you have if you are of weak constitutions, please don't please definitely don't watch it. As it contains still images of actual war-torn limbs. Although so, oddly enough, the review that the reviews that we occasionally get from people is that they always they always say that they feel very hungry after watching it. I remember a friend of mine said he was eating Mexican while he was Watching the video, I was eating cereal like it was like I was watching cartoons. <laughs> you know, like it, it just it was it didn't matter to me. But, but oddly enough, it was oddly enough that video was quite successful for us, and it really boosted it boosted us in the whole nine yards. But you know, I'm surprised. I'm just surprised it didn't blow up as much as I thought it would. As I thought it would, but it did blow up amongst our friends and amongst the people that know us. So it really was, you know, groundbreaking for us. All right. War Torn Limbs by Rourke. Here we go.
And now we're back. Now, what are some songs from Second Helping that you feel like we should play and talk about right now before we end the interview? Let's see. We've um, played most of them. I think the only one we didn't do yet was Scarified. That's right. All righty then. Well, tell me about Scarified, and then we're going to crank it up. Well, first of all, Scarified has this um, nearly 50-second intro called Lacerations, which has some pretty great tapping by myself and Rob. Mm -hmm. And it just builds and builds and builds until the final chord, when the drums kick in, and we begin the song Scarified, which lyrically is a fictional uh, psychoanalytical tale about a guy who hates himself and takes his problems out on the world until someone reminds him of why he hates himself and that reminder prompts him to commit suicide. Now, one thing that I will say about this song is that if you are a fan of Death Clock or the Black Dahlia murder, this song is for you. Shall we crank it up? Indeed. Let's crank it up.
Now, that was just Scarified. Do you want to have a few words about that? Personally, I'm more when it comes to death metal, I'm more a fan of the melodic type. And that's what I really tried to accomplish with Scarified as well as Unholy Mantra. For de- for uh, speaking of death metal, I mean, for me, I I'm a very classical kind of guy when it comes to that or very kind of I guess you could say old school kind of guy when it comes to death metal. My favorite death metal bands are pretty much all the Florida bands. My number one is my number one favorite death metal band of all time is Deicide. Hmm. And it's just because like I like to think of them as Slayer with a with a nice extra kick. Like if Slayer decided to become a death metal band, that's Deicide. <laughs> True. Now, something you were saying to me uh while we were playing the track, um going on about the press, like tell me about some of the uh press situations you've experienced with like things like forged metal zine etc you know actually like see in our area press is not too great i don't think like there's not too much of it you know but what's great though is that we do have a lot of friends that we're very familiar with we have you know we have our old radio station whrw with madman mark who was our old dj we have um uh mark from uh from uh, Forge Metal Zine, who was who used to live in our area and then moved to Buffalo because he's now a student at Fredonia, and mm. uh, he's very active with the Buffalo scene, but has decided to include bands from our area in his reviews and every and uh, and his and his uh, his blogs and everything. Uh, and the other press we had were just we had a couple of uh, random people from we had a guy from Italy interview us, we had a guy from uh, Indonesia interview us. Because they decided to throw our song on Deathcore Attack, just they, it was strange. Because I I don't know I don't know how things are out there personally, but they're uh, from what I've been seeing from what people have been saying about Indonesia. I just think it's very interesting how how things work out there. And so when they when they came, they basically just put our song on the record. We didn't have any copyright. We didn't put copyright on it. We were like it's free, so we didn't care. But um, he did an interview with us, and we thought that was nice. And um, what were some of the better points of that interview? Uh, I actually don't remember that one off the top of my head. Dan was, or Birdman was the one that did it mostly. I think you you were the one that conducted that interview. I don't think I did that one. Yeah, um, I guess the highlight was uh, talking about how um, how we came up with our name. But um, his questions pretty standard. You know, when were you formed? What's in the future? I actually, it was sort of the precursor to let him know, hey, I'm writing a song about fast food. <laughs> wow. Yep. What was his reaction? Um, it wasn't a live interview, so I couldn't tell. But um, hopefully fast food is getting bigger every day in Indonesia. Yeah, yeah you, you guys should support it, man. Of course, I was I was thinking, um, yeah, because I noticed th- those interviews. By the way, that we've done, or well, actually, some of them were interviews. Some of the the, uh, the things that that ended up in Forged, those were reviews. The things that we had ended up that uh, we also did Def Sparrowzine. They were, I think, our first reviewers actually. Yes, and they reviewed us, and I liked how he was honest, and you know, b- but you know, I mean, there was I could tell that he had a bias. You know, he was. He did. He said he didn't like um, one of our songs. He thought was very kind of uh, Finnish Finish. sounding. So he thought it was so. So he just was like uh, he just I, that kind of irked him, I guess. But uh, the dude, rest- w- what's up with you guys ripping off the music of Finland, man? That, that's not cool. Uh, who said it? Who said it was? Who said? Who has said it wasn't? I mean, come on. Talk about like look look at how. Whenever I think of metal, sometimes like there's so many people I know that Finland is like the country to focus on. Like it's like to hell with the rest of Scandinavia. No, Finland is the one. And I'm like, really now? What about Norway? Because honestly, if I had to say the two, the two countries, uh, the two Scandinavian countries that have produced my favorite metal bands have actually been Norway and Sweden. As and far as death metal goes, I'd say Sweden's my favorite. Sweden as well for for death metal as well. But in general, also like just. Norwegian, uh, well, most of the Norwegian culture I've seen is on the show Lilyhammer, so a lot of it's scripted. But I mean, I just found it. I just found the uh, the mentality and everything over there very interesting. The Swede, the Swedes are quite good too. I I opened up for Grave once, so you know I had a I had a fun chat with them. 
And they said their country's doing very well, economically speaking. Actually, they're one of the few countries in Europe that's actually doing well economically, <laughs> while the rest of Europe is kind of going down the tubes. they got it's a pretty a pre- good education system, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Also, uh, Germany's doing too, doing very well. The other co- the countries that are not doing so well, unfortunately, are Greece. And, well, Greece, I heard, has is, is the one that's really struggling the most. They asked us for money, and I'm like... Come back when you're an insurance company. <laughs> Spain, uh, I was going to say Spain, unfortunately, I'm Spanish, you know, so it kind of, it's sad to say that that country doesn't seem to be doing too well either, but I hear things, we're hoping that things will get better, you know, we're, you know, but it's, it, it, I think you get a different, you get a different, from different people will tell you different things, so, but right now, as far as unemployment is concerned, last I checked, it was pretty bad. Yeah. So, I mean, but we're hoping things will get better. Dude, man, take my advice. Don't go to Europe and try to find a job. <laughs> you won't find one, man. Either that or go if you're going to go to Europe, go to go to like go to Sweden or Finland or Norway or somewhere somewhere that will act somewhere where the economy is actually pretty good. How's yeah. the economy out in Kazakhstan? I have no idea, but I don't. But I can't imagine it's any better than the rest of the former U.S. the former Soviet republics. Oh, did you hear how um, Belarus is now owned by Russia again? Really? This yeah, is, Putin's bringing back the USSR. This is news to me. Like ver- this is very much news to me. <laughs> I, me as well. I had not. I had not heard. I, the only thing I'd heard about was their their. Um, having a little dispute with Ukraine, but I had not heard anything about Belarus. I mean, after, like, Russia is able to absorb the Ukraine, all the other countries, it'll be, like, easy. Like, yeah. I mean, you get, like, Romania. I honestly would... I, I feel Czech, like that seems... Slovak. I can't imagine how that would be better. I mean, maybe... Maybe, I think that... I, I can't imagine how anybody, how any of the other... Republics, former republics would would benefit from that, you know. I, I, I because you know, I mean, being a former political science major, I don't, I hardly remember anything of what I learned. <laughs> the only thing I do remember is the fact that economically speaking, it could happen, but what the benefits of it are is that's where I, I, that's kind of where I'd, uh, <laughs> where I'd have to cut myself off there because <laughs> I wouldn't know. Yeah, all just, I remember is, is that all I remember is that the cars from the USSR sucked. Oh, quit <laughs> hating on the Yugo. In America, Yugo hates on you. <laughs> but anyways, um so saith the great spirit of Yakov Smirnov. Yes. Now um tell me each of you guys about uh the best show you ever played and just what made it so awesome. Each of you, I want a different response. All right. So for me, my favorite, my, uh, what I felt was the most successful show for us and the, the best show for us, I mean, this was mostly because of the fact that we were opening for a major band. This is in... We, several, actually. Several, actually, yes. This was in 2012, uh, and we opened for Kitty, Blackguard, and Bonded by Blood. And for us, that was huge because it was the first time that we were going to be playing with a real band with a full lineup. It was also special because the first it was we had played with Blackguard before, but as a duo and with a drum machine. So this time we came out and we played with Blackguard with a full band, and we went. It was above and beyond what anyone had really expected. I think. I mean. It asserted our, our our presence in the scene. A lot of good came from that show, and not to mention everybody had a great time. And the energy from the beginning of the show to the end was just absolutely insane. It it was excellent from beginning to end. And I remember at the end just getting into the pit and screaming at people, like yeah. not just screaming the lyrics, screaming at people. Yeah, like I I, I remember. <laughs> It put it this way. I remember being so crazy that during Kitty's set, I couldn't even stand up because I was about to have a heart attack from how awesome everything was going. <laughs> My personal favorite show was um, it took place 
last summer, actually, at the BSP Lounge in Kingston. We were part of the uh, local Battle of the Bands for the Hudson Valley. It was a benefit show for um, some it organization for, uh, that helps uh, animals. Oh, the uh, Ulster, County, uh, uh, Ulster County SPCA. Yeah, and I th- I just felt like I played my best that night. And um, image-wise, it was great for us that night because I remember um, um, the bassist for Fenris Ma joined us that night and he just dressed up in a suit and a nice hat, sunglasses at night. I mean, it was very... It was very fitting that we began with our song, Antonio. It was very much in the spirit of the band, too, you know, and our fans came out and we all had a good time. And I Yeah, thought- it was a mixture of um, friends that had never seen us before, as well as introducing our music to new people. I also had a nice monitor for me to stand on. I don't know if you've ever seen us live, but um, when I'm playing guitar and singing at the same time, I'm spreading my legs like a girl. Like a, like, oh yeah, I don't know if you can say that on the radio. Probably not. Uh, But um, I was going to say, though, don't forget about your vocal push-ups. Yeah. Vocal sit-ups, rather. Sit-ups. Oh my gosh. That ending to, uh, the last song that we play, um, uh, it's really fast and just super, super crazy. So... Whenever Birdman has does the like the last words to the song, he just goes absolutely berserk. And this time was the second time that I'd seen. Like I think this is the most berserk that I'd seen him go since the Kitty Show. Like even more berserk than the Kitty Show, and the Kitty Show was berserk enough. <laughs> and of course, that totally surprised me. That came out of nowhere, and not to mention we had a you know a great crowd response at that show. But I mean, even at this one, that that was good too. Yeah, so, it's it's just it's just so memorable. Wow. Now, um, do you want to go back to any questions? Well, we talked about press. I think that we was covered good. pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about, I guess, the local battle of the bands shows, or I feel like. Truly, a fair battle of the bands can't be achieved unless you have a real impartial group of judges. Um, I mean, obviously, the owners of of uh, whatever venue can do whatever they want. Although, I remember competitions where they would get actual metal veterans like Jason Newstead or Alex Webster to... Uh, judge a band and all in all I'd still say it's a good experience because it's still good exposure and you know we still got to play with a lot of friends and some bands that we hadn't hit the stage with mm-hmm. yeah I'd say there I'd say you know it's really when it comes to battle of the like local battle of the bands it gets it can get really really it can get tough it's not it's not clear cut and dry like you'd expect it's there's a a couple more uh, complications involved and things like that but all in all the all in all it's usually a great experience for us you know there's people that never seen us before bottom line it's a show you know what i mean and just because it's a battle doesn't make it i mean that might make it a little bit different but otherwise when you go on stage like I did the same for my concerto competition when I was uh, doing my masters in uh, French horn performance at Binghamton. Um, when I when I when I did the competition, I came out and I said, "The one thing I'm doing is playing the piece that I'm playing, and you know, in the spirit of that piece, the whole nine yards." You know, uh, I, it was just a little bit different, you know, because it's just basically you go out there, you play the music, you go home, instead of and instead of like worrying about oh who's gonna beat you because of of their ability is better than yours or something. Yeah, no, no, no. You go out and you do you do your best. You do you do what you came to do when you go home. Final words, fellows. I just think everybody out there should try to do the band thing. Like try to be original, even if you're not super into music. Just at least give it a try. Just to 
just to try to get out there, make your own music, play shows, in front, whether it's in front of friends, family, or strangers at a bar. You know, once you try this thing, you'll see life in a totally different light. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to have to go along with that as well and say that, in addition, you know, there's no shame in joining in joining a band. I mean, just because you didn't make the music doesn't mean you don't doesn't mean that your part isn't pivotal. I mean, joining a band also seemed is has for a while I liked to be like I I tried making my own music. I kind of didn't really like it as much. I noticed, and I noticed that I was much happier when it came to joining bands and being able to contribute that way. And being able to contribute, you know, and also contribute and contribute more so as the years as the years went on, and it just it's just it's easier when you have a band of of good musicians and people that have direction, and that way you just kind of pop right in instead of having to start from square one and you know do the whole the whole process from scratch, which at times can be very frustrating and just at times also disheartening because, you know, sometimes you say to your, because, you know, as most people say, you know, you, you can be your own worst enemy. So that's why joining, I feel like for me is a little more effective because I like to, I like to be able to, to, to like, not only to be able to make music, but even if music, if there's any way that a song can be improved or that a song can sound great, I love to make it sound great. You know what I mean? I love to make it, you know, then, for example, if somebody gave me a piece of music and said to me, play this, I am going to make that sound as great as I possibly can. I will put my whole, everything I can into it to make it sound great. Anything I can do to make it sound great is, is what I do. And that's what I, and that's what I feel is the most important thing. And I guess some other last words I'd say is for anybody who is in a band right now, if you are frustrated or having difficulty Whatever you do, don't give up, because then that means they, whomever they might be, win. And more importantly, I also was given that advice by Tom G. Warrior. So hey, if Tom G. Warrior gives me that advice, then it, I, it must be true. It must be true. <laughs> I guess you could say, or it must be, it must be important enough to follow. He obviously he didn't. He's in Trypticon now, so obviously he didn't give up. Definitely. <laughs> Well then, and uh, tell me, when do you think you'll be around uh, parts in New Jersey in the future? You don't have an exact date yet, but we're coming for you, Jersey. Oh yes, and heck, if you don't see if you don't see us playing, you might even see us at shows. You might see us at Starland Ballroom. You might see us hanging around the House of Blues in Atlantic City. Who knows? You see at the at the Bat Cave in Montclair. More often. Yep. What about the Atlantic City Boardwalk Hall Arena? We've I've never been there, but uh, his uh, Birdman's uh, grandma's uh, apartment. His uh, his grandma has an apartment there, and we like to we like to have vacations down there. And we've been along the boardwalk before, but I've never actually seen the place. The Grand Fromage is awesome too, as well as the Boneyard. Oh yeah, great places. Not to mention, um, oh yeah, one other place I forgot to mention, Dingbats is great too. Yeah, definitely. Well then, I suppose let's end the interview. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody, and I'll see you next week. Much appreciated.
Entourage.